Welcome to the Legacy Church Rome podcast. We're grateful you're tuning in today. For more information, visit our website, LegacyRome.com. We hope today's message empowers and encourages you. Open up your Bible to Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1, verse 11. As you're turning there, I want to say thank you so much for your faithfulness with your tithes and your offerings and your giving. It helps us do so much uh, around this, not only inside of the church, but in our community and all across the world. And if you gave last year, uh, by the end of the day tomorrow, you will have an email with your giving, with your contribution statements. So if you gave last year, be looking for your email. By the end of the day tomorrow, you will have that. So you can use that for tax purposes or however you wish to use that. It'll come to your email. If you do not get it, be sure you let us know and we will get you, uh, we will get that to you. Luke chapter one today, verse 11 says, then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John, you shall call his name. You, you will call him John and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man And my wife is well advanced in years. Zacharias just saved his marriage right there. And the angel answered and said to him, For I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute. Somebody say mute. And not able to speak until the day these things take place. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. Are you catching what is happening here? This man has been in prayer. He prayed for this. And when what he prayed for actually showed up, he was afraid of an answered prayer. Mm. So, before we pray, I want you to ask your neighbor, are you ready to see what you prayed for? Come on, turn to your other neighbor and say, I need you to wake up. Look back at your other neighbor and say, I need you to wake up too. 
and look both of them and say, are you sure you are ready to see what you've been praying for? Come on, let's pray. Lord, I thank you today for your goodness. Lord, there are people in this room from different walks of life. They've been in different seasons. Lord, and I just pray that this week has been different seasons for different people. And right now, I just pray that no matter what this week has brought to their table, Lord, that right now they would fix their eyes upon you. There's people in this room that are full of sorrow. Some are full of joy. Some feel whole and some are broken. But the one thing that unites us today is your blood, is the faith that we have in you. And I declare that right now that any distraction that may have come to us this week, any distraction that may be in front of us this coming week, Lord, we just lay everything down at your feet. And we fix our eyes on your face and we put our ears in tune with your voice today. And as a church, we say, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening this morning. We love you today. We give you honor. And the church said amen. Amen and amen. One of the easiest battles to fight is the battle that God fights for you. Amen? And one of the hardest battles to fight is the battle that God fights for you. Because sometimes it's an easy battle when you know that you don't have what it takes to win. And you watch as God steps in and takes over and begins to fight for you. Don't you just love it when that happens? But how many of you know that it can also be hard when God is fighting for you when you want to strike back at that thing, but God will not let you? Because mm. who knows, sometimes it's hard being restrained from your natural response. In other words, sometimes it's hard to keep your mouth shut. I feel like somebody's getting free this morning. You want to strike that thing, but God restrains you. You want to give that thing a piece of your mind. Anybody ever been there? Anybody ever done it? You are lying in this house this morning. But God silences you. You want to show them what you have. You want to show them that you can win this thing, that, that you've got something inside of you that can beat them, that can achieve the goal. But God arrests you and he steals you and he silences you because if he lets you strike it, if he lets you say what you really wanted to say, it could cost you the blessing that is on the other side of the battle. Because wherever God puts his hand on the battle, there is always something good waiting on the other side. Amen? So one of the easiest ways to lose a battle is to open up your mouth and speak before it's time. Hmm. 
one of the easiest ways to mess up a miracle is to open your mouth and speak something different than what God is saying. Because sometimes when, when God shuts your mouth and he silences you, sometimes we will often feel that that is judgment. But it is actually God's favor on your life. Is there anyone in this room this morning, you are thankful for the moments that God has silenced you? Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to mess up my miracle. I don't know about you, but I don't want God to be working on something on my behalf and my mouth says something different. But it's frustrating when you are in an intense moment and God will not let you open your mouth. People can be talking about you and yet God will not let you respond. There are people all across the world, keyboard warriors, they're big got a big backbone on Facebook, but will not say a word to your face. Can I get an amen? They will text about you, gossip about you. They are posting vague posts about somebody because they don't have the spiritual maturity to go to their brother or sister face to face. And the Lord still demands your silence because God doesn't want you to mess up a miracle. Timing is everything. Ecclesiastes 3 reminds us that to everything there is a season. To everything there is a time. There is a season to keep silent and there is a time to speak. Success has as much to do with timing as it does with the practices in your life. Because success is all about honoring the time that God has given you. The Bible tells us about a story about a man, blind Bartimaeus, and we find him sitting on the roadside all of his life, and he's there, and he is begging. And there was a moment in time when he realized that Jesus was passing by, and he realized that his time had finally come. This man has been in the same situation for years. All of his life he had been sitting on that roadside. His senses, because he is blind, they are activated so he can hear. He has been hearing the same sounds of the street for years. He has been smelling the same, the, the, the same scents for years. And although they, um, and although this may sound the same, he felt like there is something different about this moment. And in that moment, in that time, he had to align his faith with what God can do. Because who knows that God can do more in a moment than we can do in a lifetime. The last three weeks, I've been reading the scripture, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I want you to get this because the word seek, one of its meanings is to coordinate. Coordinate yourself first with the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And it says that all, all of these things 
will be added to you. Coordinate, get this, means to come into harmony with. It means to sync up in time. Coordinate is also the root for the word uh, coordinate. It means my location. It is, it is where my latitude and my longitude cross. It is where I am. And it's time that you know where you are and you coordinate it with the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Because sometimes, how many of you know that there are sometimes you will find yourself in a location. You will find yourself in a season that you really do not like. You will find yourself in a place that you really did not pray for. And so often when we find ourselves in those seasons, we feel as if we cannot coordinate with the kingdom because it doesn't seem like it's a favorable place. But that is why we pray. Jesus said, pray that thy kingdom come. That's why we pray. We pray, God, send your kingdom from heaven down to where I am right now. God, I need your kingdom where I'm at now. I need you in my current location. He did not say just to pray this in the temple. He did not just say pray this when you're on the mountaintop. But David said, even though I make my bed in hell, you are with me. So no matter where you are at in life, if you would just coordinate with God, if you would just realize that now is the time, God will show up for you. He will show up for you. And he'll not only show up for you, but how many of you know that when God shows up, he will always shift something for you? If you would just coordinate yourself with God, God will show up for you this year. Amen? Coordinate yourself to God. Know where you are. Get around him. Coordinate yourself to God. David said, you know my thoughts from afar. No matter where I am, you hear my cry. Aren't you thankful that God hears your cry? No matter how far, you, no matter your location, no matter your season, God hears your cry. You can put a man like Paul in prison. And he finds a man like Silas. And in the middle of midnight, when everybody thinks that they are about to die, Paul starts coordinating with Silas. And whenever you get somebody you can coordinate with, all of a sudden chains start breaking. Doors start opening. Miracles start coming forth. Come on, touch your neighbor and tell them, let's coordinate this year. Let's get on the same page this year. Now look at your other neighbor and say, I'm going to coordinate with the Lord this year. I'm going to know where he's at and he's going to know where I'm at. We are getting on the same page because whenever you get two people that know how to coordinate in the spirit, that's when miracles start happening. That's when depression starts being broken. That's when anxiety has to leave your house when you get coordinated. Get this, because the enemy wants the prison. Enemy wants this season to get you discombobulated. He wants you to lose your balance. He wants this prison, this season to get you uncoordinated, to lose your balance. He wants to uncoordinate your life. As I told first service, I don't even know if that's a word, but it is today. He wants to uncoordinate your mind. 
But I hear the sound when I was reading, when I was studying this week. I can hear the sound in this house of people coming together. I hear the sound of coordination. I hear God's people getting in tune with God's timing. And they are syncing up with God's location. And they are saying, God, this year, wherever you go, I'll go. Wherever you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people because we are coordinating this year. Can anybody say amen today? See, the problem with Zacharias is he is uncoordinated. He has a prayer life. He's been praying for his wife, this child. He's a priest. He's holy. Angels are speaking to him. But the moment when he sees what he's been praying for show up, he's uncoordinated. He's afraid of the thing that he's been praying for because most people are ready when all they have to do is talk about it. Most people are ready for revival when all you've got to do is talk about it. But when it shows up and you have to be about it instead of just talking about it, People, even in the church, get scared. God, it sounded great when we were in here on Saturday morning. God, it sounded great in my prayer closet. But God, now that that thing is in front of me, I'm scared. I don't know what to do. I don't know if I should have prayed for this. Anybody ever been there? Because it's easy to talk about revival. But revival can be messy when you are revival. Because all of a sudden, people that don't look like you and smell like you will come into the church. And there's some church people that have problems with some people that don't look and smell like them. But this year, God's going to mute you until there's a change in your spirit. Until you can be what you've talked about. So instead of letting Zechariah stay uncoordinated, the angel said, I'm going to shut your mouth. I'm going to mute you so that you do not talk yourself out of what I'm about to do. I'm going to shut your mouth Because what you are saying is not coordinating with what God is wanting to do. He was about to talk himself out of a miracle. God, you don't know how how old I am. You don't know how advanced in years my wife is. He was about to talk himself out of what God was about to put in him. And the angel mutes him. Because your mouth can make you forfeit the things that God is doing. Amen? James said to guard your tongue. Proverbs tells us, whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from trouble. Wow. You want to know why a lot of people stay in trouble? 
because they run their mouth. Can I get an amen? Do you live with somebody who cannot shut their mouth and they wonder why doors keep closing? They wonder why relationships keep ending. They wonder why they cannot keep a job. It may be because you won't shut your mouth long enough to grow. He said, guard your mouth. He is in Proverbs said that the power of life and death are in the tongue. In other words, your mouth can shift your life. Your life will follow your mouth. So you're thinking, this is crazy. No, this is the word. That's why if you're fasting and gossiping, you might as well quit fasting. <laughs> Woo, preach, preacher. That's why if someone confides in you a prayer request and you're on the prayer team and you can't pray about it without telling somebody about it, you don't need to be on the prayer team. I feel like somebody's getting free today. The prophet Ezekiel, God gives him a revelation for the nation. He gives him a revelation to go prophesy to Israel. And the Bible said that he was in the heat of his spirit, not God's spirit. In other words, he was hot-headed. Anybody ever hot-headed? We got some liars still in the room. <laughs> Frustrated. Aggravated. He was aggravated, frustrated, and pregnant with the word. But the word said, but the hand of the Lord stayed upon him. And when he arrived to the place where he was supposed to stand and speak the word, what happened? The word said that he sat there for days in silence. He was mute in the middle. He was caught somewhere between a word and releasing it. And he was mute. So often, how often does that happen? It is frustrating whenever you are mute in the middle. You have ministry inside of you, but God's telling you to be quiet. You got revelation over here. Now God's telling you to be quiet before you give it to a nation. In, in the middle of his anointing, in the middle of his calling, God muted him. It was not that he had a lack of words to say. No, he had the revelation, but it was not coordinating with God's time because if he got up and spoke the word when he was hot-headed, the nation would not have received it. Mm. So don't ever mistake my silence for lack of revelation. Satan, don't ever mistake our silence as a lack of revelation because I can have clear revelation of what is going on around me, but God may not have the time for me to open it right now. Aren't you thankful that sometimes God silences you? Aren't you thankful that sometimes just as God closed the mouth of the lions, he will close your mouth? God cares about your future too much. 
to let you rob it with temporary pleasure. The pleasure of saying whatever is on your mind. Don't you love those people? I don't. The pleasure of giving them a piece of your mind. Down south, a lot of us think that's a strength. <laughs> that is not a gift of God. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. And whenever you feel like you've been anointed to give everybody a piece of your mind, you've actually been deceived. Because what it means is you actually need more of the Spirit. Because whenever you start running at the mouth, it means that you don't have self-control. I, like, I feel like getting deep in here today. He cares too much to let you rob yourself with temporary pleasure. The pleasure of striking back. The pleasure of showing them what you've got. Because we all know that it's difficult to remain quiet when you've got something to say. Mm. But what God is doing, he is testing you because in this next season, this season may be quiet. This season you may be mute. This season he may be putting something in you. But over the next season, you're going to be able to open your mouth. And whenever you open your mouth, guess what? It's going to come out with some power. It's going to come out with some authority. You will open your mouth in the next season and you will call that thing by name that you've been praying for. You will say yes that is my John yes that is my child coming home yes that is my ministry yes that is my marriage being put back together and the power in your voice will stir that thing inside of your John that God has called it to do because God will keep you quiet for a season and get you pregnant while you're quiet he will get you quiet plant something in you to give it time for it to grow before you can release it. So when you speak, power comes out so that whenever you do speak, breakthrough comes forth. So that whenever you do speak, you have the respect of people around you. So that whenever you do speak in due season, there's a harvest so the next time he tells you to be quiet, you better go ahead and rejoice because that means that the next season that you're going to be in, power is coming out. That means that the next season there's about to be breakthrough. That means that the next season a door is about to open. That means that the next season God is going to give you some authority. Amen? So God will put a word in you He'll put a message in you and say, you can't preach that right now. Let it grow. He will put a revelation inside of you and say, no, no, no. It's not time for that yet. But when that thing comes out, there'll be power behind it. God is testing your control. He's testing, can he trust you with a word? 
And as God mutes some things, sometimes we have to be able to mute some things. Is there anyone in your life when you see them coming, you wish you had a mute button? You see them coming down the hall at work and you'd give anything. You ever just want to walk up to somebody and touch their lips and say, shh. When is the last time that you muted something? I'm not talking about the TV. But when is the last time that you muted things that were coming against what God has spoken over you? When is the last time you muted lies of the enemy? When is the last time that you said, no, I don't accept what you are saying? Because I've been in the word, I've been in prayer, and it's not aligning with what I've heard. Therefore, I'm going to mute you right now because I'm not letting that thing get in me. People that live in victory not only know how to obey God when he silences them, but they also know how to mute things around them. You cannot live in victory if you don't know how to mute some things. They know the difference in the sounds of heaven and the sounds of hell. They do not listen to the things that do not coordinate with God's word. They know how to mute because sometimes you've got to look at some people. Sometimes you've got to look at some situations and mute. Sometimes when some spirits come knocking at your door, you've got to mute them. This year, you've got to mute the spirit of jealousy. You've got to mute the spirit of competition. You've got to mute the spirit of complaining. You've got to mute the spirit of rebellion. You've got to mute the, uh, the spirit of disobedience. You've got to tell it, look, last year I let you speak to me, but this year mute. I will not listen any longer. Jealousy, last year I let you get into my house, but this year jealousy, mute. You cannot come in here any longer. Listen, complaining, last year I sat around and I complained and I complained and I complained, but guess what? this year I'm not letting you do that mute I'm not being that person this year because last year I was disobedient but mute this year I'm going to walk in the word this year I'm going to walk in joy this year I'm going to walk in victory and I cannot do that until I mute some things in my life <laughs> write this down Isaiah 5 verses 12 through 14 the word said that the harp and the strings the tambourine and the flute and the wine were in their feast. It was in their services. But they did not regard the work of the Lord nor consider the operation of his hands. In other words, they are have all the parts of the service. They have all the parts of the service going on. Yet, they did not regard the work of the Lord. They had the music. They had the instruments. Everything looked good. But they did not regard the work of the Lord. And there are a whole lot of churches that are like that. They have everything. But they have no power. They have good music. But there's no power. They have good facilities, but yet there's no power. 
And Isaiah is saying that you've got all the music, you've got all the instruments, yet you cannot see that God is up to something. Verse 13, therefore my people have gone into captivity. They are praising, they're worshiping, and bound. They've got everything they need, they're bound. They're singing all the right songs, yet they're still bound. They're singing everything everybody likes, the music is great, Everything is good. They're still bound. Why? Because they have no knowledge. They have no knowledge. How is this? Because it's not your choice of music that sets you free. The word says you shall know the truth, and the truth, the knowledge of it will set you free. Listen to this. Verse 14. Therefore, Sheol, in Hebrew it means Hades, hell, has enlarged itself, look, and opened its mouth beyond its measure. Mm. So get this. In Matthew, yes, we learned that the gates of hell will not prevail. It does not say that the gates of hell will not exist. The gates of hell are real. Can I get an Amen. It does not say that the gates of hell will not open. It does not say that the gates of hell will not function. It does not say that the gates of hell will never attack you. It says they will not prevail. They will exist, but they will not prevail. They will open against you, but they will not prevail. They will attack you and your family, but they will not prevail. They will come after your health, but it will not prevail. I don't care what the enemy told you. It will not prevail. I don't care what they said about you. It will not prevail. The devil may try it, but he will not win it. It may hurt, but praise God, it will not prevail. Get this. Isaiah said that hell has opened wide its mouth mm, and said that it opened its mouth beyond its measure. I found that very interesting. That means that hell has a measure. It just opened up more than was intended. In other words, there is a portion that hell should have. There, there is a purpose for it. But its mouth is open wider than it was intended, than it was created for. So if the mouth of hell is wider than its measure, it must be a measure that if it stays in that measure, it will not be too wide. It will not be able to conquer you. The problem is not that hell opens its mouth. The problem is, is that you give hell too much measure in your life. You give hell more space than God allowed, allotted for it to have. And now it is wider than its measure. Because if it has more measure, the question is, who allowed it to open its mouth wider than it was intended? Who gave it permission to do that? Get this. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. And what does God do? He punishes. He gives him a measure. 
And the measure is punishment and time. Follow me. Punishment and time. His portion, his measure is punishment and time. He looked at the snake. He looked at that, uh, the Satan that day. And he said, you shall bite them. You shall strike them on the hill. But he will what? Crush your head. So Satan, that means for the rest of your life, for the rest of existence, the rest of your time, you will strike and be crushed, punished. Strike, punish. Strike, punish. You strike, they're going to step. 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 The strike will not take you out, but the strike was intended to activate the stomp. God let Satan strike you to activate the stomp. Get this. When you're, if you remember the days of playing ball, and if you ever got hurt, you pulled a muscle, you, you heard it pop, you felt the tear, the first thing a good athlete tries to do is act like it's Okay. And they'll take a step. They'll try to walk it off. You try to step to see if you still have the coordination to continue in the game. To see if you still have it. See, and when the enemy strikes you, he's trying to see, are you going to stop or are you going to stomp? He's trying to see, are you going to stop, lay down, play dead, or are you going to stomp? Are you going to stomp? Because if you stomp, the word says, you will crush the head of the enemy. Guess what's on his head? His big mouth. Whenever you decide I'm not going to stop, but I'm going to stomp every time he strikes me. You are crushing the head of the enemy. And I want to declare this over you, your house, and this church. This year, we are not going to stop. We're going to stomp. I said this year... Your house is not going to stop every time there's an enemy. You're going to stomp. Where are the stompers at in the house? He came after your family. Start stomping. He came after you. Start stomping. He lied about you. Go ahead and stop. He came after your finances. Start stomping. He came after your health. Start stomping. He's going to come after your job. Start stomping. He came after your mind this year. Start stomping. He, guess what? He wants to come after your church. Where are the stompers that will say, I will not give him anything this year? I will not enlarge his measure. I will not stop, but I will stomp. Come on. Tell, tell the devil, you've not seen anything yet. I'm going to say, you've never seen this version of me. Come on, tell your neighbor, you've not seen this version of me. 
Come on, look at him saying, I'm telling you. I'm about to release some power. Last year I may have been mute, but guess what? I've been growing something on the inside of me. Last year I may have seemed like I had nothing to offer, but God was growing something. I may have seemed disappointed, but God was growing something on the inside of me. And now I am pregnant with the gift. Now I am pregnant with the word. And by George, am I going to sit here and stop? No, I'm going to stop every time that Satan tries to destroy it. I'm going to stop every time that he opens his big mouth. Who in the house can get up on their feet with me and agree with me today? I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. I'm not going to stop this year. I'm going to stop. Ben, help me out. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to stop. Why? Why? Because hell may have, a, have its mouth open wide. But I'm declaring it's the season of the mute beginning to speak again. And I'm about to release some power. what the enemy tried to steal what the enemy tried to destroy God has given me the power to stop and when I stop it I am stopping not only his head but I'm closing the mouth of hell and declaring your measure will not be greater than it should be in my house. That your measure will not be greater than it should be in my church. And whenever you don't stop, but you stop, you are putting the devil in his place. And his place is where? Under your feet. We sing the song, he's under my feet, he's under my feet, he's under my feet. Some of y'all don't know who that song. He's under my feet. You didn't grow up in the Pentecostal church in the 90s. He's under my feet. Where is he? He's under my feet. Some people are like, that ain't theological. Yes, it is. You will stop him and put him under your feet. This year, you got to learn how to mute and stop. Mute and stop. Jealousy? No, no, no. Bitterness? Mm -mm. Complaining? Mm -mm. How often do we walk around saying things that go against what God has put inside of us? And not even, oh, I couldn't do that. I'm too old. I couldn't do that. I'm too young. I couldn't do that. I've, I've never had lessons. Or And God has put it in your spirit. And he's waiting for the right time till you come to the realization. I don't know about you, but I don't want to mess up a miracle. Anybody? 
I don't know about you, but I don't want to mess up what I've been praying for. But whenever that thing comes into existence, I want to look at it and know that's an answered prayer. Anybody with me? Come on, right where you're at. Come on, can you just raise your hands to the Lord? Come on, I want us to sing this song out today. I want us to declare the name of Jesus today. And whenever you are saying the name of Jesus, you are stomping in the spirit. Come on, right where you are at today. Come on, I want us to sing this out today. I want us to make it a declaration this morning. Your name is here. Come on, put your foot down today. Break every stronghold, shine through the shadows, burn like a fire. Yes, Lord. Sing your name. Come on, sing it today. Your name is power. Your, your name, name is healing. Your, your name is life. Yes, it is. Listen to the words. Break every stronghold. You're stopping. You're breaking it. You're breaking it. You're stopping it. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. something to get you through this week, mute it and stop it. Mute and stop. Whenever you learn how to mute and you learn how to stop, victory's on the way. Victory is on the way. When you learn how to put it under your feet instead of wearing it on your shoulders, that is victory. And you've got to mute and stop. Mute and stop. I told first service, it was like those famous movie line, bend and snap. Bend and snap. You've got to mute and stop. If you want to win this competition, you got to mute that devil and stomp on his head. You got to mute that Jezebel spirit and stomp on its head. You got to mute that competition. You walking around, look, you can't be friends with anybody because you're so competitive. They look better than me. I can't be friends with them. Their hair's better than me. At least they got hair. I don't like their shoes. I can't be friends with them. Oh, they, their car is better than mine. It sounds crazy, but that spirit is in a lot of you. 
and it has broken some relationships and I declare that that spirit of competition is being broken off of you and you're about to find some people you can coordinate with. You're about to find some brothers and sisters who will uphold you in Christ. You're about to find somebody you can, does anybody wish you had somebody to coordinate with? The late in the midnight hour you could call up and whenever you start coordinating, chains start breaking, doors start opening, miracles start happening. Anybody with me today? Thanks for listening. We hope to see you this Sunday at Legacy Church.